Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Especially word of welcome to families and friends who are here for the professions of faith. Also, welcome to all of those of you who are online. I, I want to take some time this morning fairly quickly to take a look at just three verses of Scripture. They come from the Apostle, Paul, Apostle John's first letter, the third chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3. John is writing to a community that is still young in the faith, It applies with the professions here. John's writing to a community that is young in the faith. They're facing challenges. They're facing difficulty. A little bit of persecution, but some temptation and and some false teaching. And and, and they're just in in a pretty tough spot. And John has one passion in this letter more than anything else. What he wants to challenge them to do is to remember who they are. To remember that they are children of God. And that's what John talks about. This is what he writes. He says, see what great love, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Dear friends, now we are, right now, we are children of God. And who we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have put the hope, this hope, all who have this hope in him, in Jesus, purify themselves just as he is pure. 25 years ago, this coming November, this was a surprise to me, it made me feel old, but 25 years ago, this coming uh, November, The Lion King came out the animated movie. It was been 25 years ago. And I think most of us, uh, many of us are familiar with the basic storyline. You have the, the lion cub, the crown prince, Simba, who just can't wait to be king, right? He, he's going to grow up and he's going to take over for his father, Mufasa, and, and he will one day be king. But Uncle Scar, evil Uncle Scar, doesn't want that. He wants to be king. So Uncle Scar kills Mufasa and blames it on Simba and and tells Simba that he killed his father. Simba runs across the desert and and goes out and and lives in the jungle. He grows up there with his friends Timon and Pumbaa. But at a certain point in the story, Rafiki, Rafiki, who has been an advisor to the royal family all along, Rafiki tracks him down, tracks Simba down and says, you need to come back. Scar has ruined everything. Scar has destroyed the pride. You need to come back. You need to restore things. And Simba says, that's not who I am anymore. I can't do that. I can't do that. Later that same night, Simba has a vision of his father. And in the words that his father says, there are four that I want you to remember. There are four that some of us as parents have said to our kids. Some of us as kids have heard from our parents. But at the heart of what he says is, and I wish I was James Earl Jones. Remember who you are. Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. You are the king. Remember who you are. In those words, those words, like I say, I've heard from my parents. Some of you have heard from your parents. Perhaps when you turned 16 years old and you got behind the wheel of the car and left the driveway and waved goodbye and mom and dad knew you were on your own, they might well have said to you, like I think mine did to me on that day, remember who you are. Don't let anybody else define who you are. Remember who you are. Or for some of you going off to college, maybe moving away from home, living in the dorms or wherever you're living or whatever it is, parents might say to you, remember who you are. When you go to that big bad world, remember who you are. And and we say that to our kids and our parents say that to us because we know the world around us is constantly telling us who we are. 
constantly lying to us about who we are, and it's often very inconsistent. On the one hand, we're sometimes told that we are the most important person who has ever lived. We are the center of the universe, and it is indeed all about us. Sometimes we're told that we're the opposite. We're nobody. We're nothing more than an accident in a soulless, heartless universe, just the product of some mindless evolution thing that happened, and you are an accident, and you will be an accident, and you are nothing and nobody. Sometimes the world around us tells us that we're perfect just the way we are. Everybody else is wrong. We are fine. We are perfect. Everything we want is right, and we are perfect just the way we are. Sometimes the world around us tells us that we are worthless losers. Sometimes the world tells us that we are the masters of our own destiny. We are in control. We can become anything we want to be. Sometimes the world around us tells us that we are all alone. And so this morning, what I want to do more than anything else is to say to each and every one of you, but especially to those of you making profession of faith, I want to say, remember who you are. If you are in Christ, remember who you are. That's what John is talking about to that community that he's worried about. He says to them, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Children of God, that's who we are. We are children of God. If we are in Christ, we are children of God. And this might sound strange, but my prayer is that each and every one of us, and and, and if we could learn to do this, maybe first thing in the morning and the last thing at night, if we will just remind ourselves, I am a child of God. When we find ourselves under pressure, I am a child of God. When we find ourselves attacked by somebody else, I am a child of God. Remember who you are and live out of that identity. That, friends, is so important. In a world that tells us we're nobodies and nothings, in a world that tells us we are above all else, both are wrong. We are children of God. And I want to unpack that for just a few minutes this morning. Take just a little bit. I want to say four things about this. For each and every one of us, no matter what age we are, to wake up and say, I am a child of God, it means four things. The first thing it means is that, is that we're dependent. All of us. It, it, that's what children are, right? Children are not Adults, children are not the ones who are in charge. Children are dependent. They need mom. They need dad. Children, and and each and every one of us is a child. And one of the most important things that you need to learn in your life is that we are not as strong as we think we are. You're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, and you think you can do anything. I thought so. I was pretty sure I could do whatever I wanted to do. 56, and I'm starting to understand, and I'm afraid I'm going to learn it more and more, that I will never get my life together, that I cannot stand on my own two feet, that I'm just not strong enough, that I just can't get my life together. But then I remember that's good news because I don't have to. I don't have to stand on my own two feet. I was never created to stand on my own two feet. I was never intended to get my life together. I was intended to live in loving dependence on a father who has lavished amazing love on me. That is who I am. I am a child, a beloved, deeply cared for child. And I need God. We need help. Just to kind of narrow it down. We need help every day for everything. 
okay? You're a child. And that's okay. To, to think about that, I, 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 this past week, some of you know I was at Synod, the meeting of the, our denominational folks, and I was in alternate chair for a committee that I was on, and the possibility of me becoming the chair was if the person who was the chair was elected to be one of the officers of Synod. And so Friday morning, we had for me what was the most important vote of Synod. And that person was not elected to one of the officers. And I thought, praise you, Lord, I'm not the chair. Because it needed a lot more wisdom than I had, and I'm glad that the person who was the chair had it. But, but that sense, if you could understand, if you can imagine my relief at that moment of realizing, oh, thank you, I don't have to be in charge. Thank you, I don't have to run this thing. Thank you, I don't have to do all of that. I mean, the, uh, we, we talked to the committee, and they said, what's something big that's happened to you recently? And I said, I'm not the chair. I said, that's what's the best news I've had today. And, and I'm so excited about that. So it, it, that, that's, that sometimes we recognize, I'm not ready to be that. I'm not ready to stand on my own two feet. But you don't have to be. We are dependent a child of God, whether you're 95 or 15, you are absolutely and completely dependent, each and every one of us. Second, and this one is probably my favorite one in the, the heart of it all, but we are deeply loved. We are deeply loved. If we are in Christ, we are deeply loved. Again, back to First John 3, verse 1. See what, not just average love, but see what great love. See what amazing love. See what overwhelming love. This is the purest love that was. You are loved if you are in Christ with the purest love that has ever been loved. And the Father has what on it? Has lavished it. The Father didn't just kind of meet out a little bit. The Father didn't just say, well, I'll give you half a cup. No, the Father lavished it. I mean, he poured it out. He inundated it. He covered us with his amazing love. That cradle, you have been lavished in that love if you are in Christ. And you are so deeply cared for. We are called children of God. Great love has been lavished on us. We are deeply loved. It means we're not orphans. We're not alone. And we're not slaves. We don't seek to be obedient to God because somehow we're afraid he's going to beat us if we, don't, if he does, if we don't. But we are sons and daughters of the king. I am a son of the king of the universe. I am a child of God. And again, that keeps me humble because I'm dependent. But it also means that I am deeply loved. I was reminded this past week that, uh, of the story that some of you have heard of Stephanie Fast. I don't know if you've ever heard her story, but it is an amazing story. She was born in Korea. Her father was a U.S. soldier who was literally just passing through. Her mother, uh, a poor single Korean woman. As a, uh, as a child of biracial, as a biracial child, as a, a, an American, a Korean, in Korea she was known as a tugi, a foreign devil a half-breed, a mixed, a nobody. And she brought great shame on her mother in, in this war-torn country. And, and imagine this again, out of desperation, not out of badness, but out of desperation. When Stephanie Fast was four years old, her mother put her on a train and said, your uncle will be there at the end of the train to, to take care of you. 
He'll be able to take care of you. Put her on that train. But of course, there was no uncle. And this four-year-old girl, this toogie, this foreign devil, this four-year-old girl is now on her own, nameless, homeless, in, in a country that has been ravaged by war. For three years, she survives on her own. She lives in garbage dumps. She steals. She is beaten. At one point, she was thrown down a well. When she's seven years old, weighing all of 30 pounds, when she's seven years old, she lays down on a garbage heap to die. She is so tired. Uh, 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 An orphanage worker, Iris Erickson, was walking past the garbage dump and saw her, went up and took a closer look and said, she's too old and too sick and started to walk away. Broke her heart to do that, but sometimes you got to make tough choices. As she's walking away, Iris hears a voice in her head say, she is mine. (laughs) What? She is mine. And so she goes back and she picks up this seven-year-old, 30-pound girl, brings her to the orphanage, and takes care of her. At seven, she's too old, really, to be adopted. They want younger kids. People want that. She's there. The Tugi is there till she's nine. Because she's older, she becomes kind of a big sister figure or a mom figure. She's working more than she's being taken care of. But one day, a couple comes, and they look at her, and God says, she's mine. And they adopt her. They adopt her now at nine years old. And they take her to their home. But this is what's so amazing to me. Something got lost in translation. Because Stephanie didn't realize she was being adopted. She thought she had been sold. She thought she had been sold as a bond servant, basically as a slave. That that, that, that happened in that day, right? That, That she was just coming to this place to work. And, and so she was confused, terribly confused for the first couple of weeks at how these people treated her. And she said to one of the neighbor girl friends that she had, she said to her, I don't get these people. They don't treat me like a slave. They treat me like, like a princess. They haven't put me to work yet. They tuck me in bed at night. They buy me new clothes. They haven't beat me. Don't they know don't they know what servants are for? Can you imagine nine years? Don't they? I don't understand this. I'm so confused. And then her friend said to her, Stephanie, you don't get it. You're not their servant. You're their daughter. You're not their servant. You're their daughter. And I think this guy gets goosebumps thinking about that, of her all of a sudden starting to realize that, that in a life that has been so broken, in a life where she has been an orphan, where she has been a slave, where she assumed that's what she was, all of a sudden she's a daughter. And she says she turned and she started running to the house, but not the house, her house, to say hi to the people, but not the people, her mom and her dad. And in her heart, it was just bursting because, because she said, I'm not a slave. I'm a daughter. And the Tugi became beloved, became beloved, and there was still a lot of work to be done. But on that day, things changed. It's an amazing story to be orphaned and dead on the street and then, and then in a home, 
and then assuming you're going to be a slave, but finding out that you are a child of God. Stephanie has an amazing story, but that's my story, and it's all of our stories if we are in Christ. We are not orphans. We are not slaves. We are sons and daughters of the King. Friends, never forget that. You are deeply loved by your Father in heaven. We are dependent. We are deeply loved. Third, we're still growing. That's what kids do, right? Kids grow. We're not there yet. Verse 2, John writes this. Dear friends, he says, Now we are children of God, and what we will be (laughs) has not yet been made known. We are not done yet. But I tell you this, we know. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And that's true for all of us. We're still growing. And I say that again to those of you making profession of faith, but I say that to each and every one of us as well, that none of us has arrived. None of us is done. None of us gets it. But each and every one of us is called to grow. Each and every one of us is called to discover more and more. We should grow in in, in two things, in our love for God. And and that might involve learning more. But I think for most of us who are adults, and those of you making professional faith, you know a good amount. But I want to learn how much God loves me and how much I can love him back. I want to deepen that relationship. I want that relationship to become more real than any other relationship in my life. I want that relationship to drive me. I want that relationship to protect me. I want that relationship to comfort me. I want to grow deeper and deeper in my love for God. And I pray you do too, friends, because your child and your daddy is amazing and your big brother is something else. Grow deeper in our love for God and grow deeper in our love for our neighbor. I want to learn to be like Jesus. We're still growing. We are absolutely dependent. I'm just a kid. And and again, if we can understand this, life becomes doable. Because I know that I am dependent but deeply loved. And I am growing but deeply loved. And finally, the fourth one, we're called to be different. Verse 3, John writes this, All who have this hope in him, all who have their hope in Jesus, purify themselves just as he is pure. All of us who have put our hope in Jesus Christ, we purify ourselves. For John, purifying ourselves means several things. It's, it's to fight against the sin in our lives. To purify ourselves is to recognize, John talks about the world, about the the stain of the world, the selfishness that is all around us, and we want to become more like Jesus. It's to fight against the sin in our lives, it's to become more and more like Jesus, and it's to be different. And, and, And this one again, when you are wherever you are, the world says if you're a business person, then this is how you must behave. And, and, and so many of you are so good at it, but I want to encourage you in it saying, no, I'm a business person, but more importantly, I am a child of God. And I will be like him. Your student, and this is what students do. You're 21, and this is what 21-year-olds do. Yeah, I'm 21, but I'm a child of God. And this is what we do in our family. This is how we live. We are called 
to be different. We are dependent, each and every one of us. We are deeply loved. We are still growing. And we are called to be different. To those of you making profession of faith, hear me well. Remember who you are. To your parents and your grandparents, remember who you are. To those of you who are eight, remember who you are. You are a child of God. And that doesn't mean everything is easy, but it means he will never let you go in life or in death. You are dependent. You are deeply loved. You are growing. And you are different. Remember who you are. Let's pray together. Father, the, the world tells us we're consumers. We are what we own. We are what we have. The world tells us we're just animals. The world tells us all sorts of things that we are greatest. Help us to recognize that there is nothing more amazing, nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful than being what you have invited us to be through Jesus Christ, and that is to be your children, sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And so, Father, now as we go to this profession of faith, as these young people stand before us and say, I am a child of God, may each and every one of us be able to join them in saying, so am I, so am I. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to welcome some young people on stage. They're going to make profession of faith. But before we do that, just want to let you know what profession of faith here at Hillside looks like. It's a little bit different. Uh, we don't do a class. Uh, while we're confident that we could host a class and they would learn everything that they would need to learn to make profession of faith, uh, we think that sometimes a relationship can be a little bit more formational and important. So each young person that's going to be on stage this morning, uh, they have handpicked an adult mentor in this congregation, maybe someone they've known for a while, maybe someone they don't know, um, but them and that mentor have gone through an eight-week process uh, where they've gone through a curriculum together, relearning and sometimes learning for the first time some basics of the Christian faith. Uh, and from what I've heard over the last almost seven years I've been here, um, the, the testimonies I've heard is that this process is usually just a great blessing to both the mentor and the mentee. And so we have a video this morning just highlighting how, those, uh, how this process has blessed them. And as the video plays, you guys can come up on the stage for making confession of faith. I think it was really cool to meet one-on-one -on -one and just kind of discuss and dive into a bunch of the different questions and topics regarding our faith and what we believe. And it was really cool to get just a different perspective on those various topics as well. I liked the mentorship process because it gave me more one-on-one -on -one time and more personal uh, learning process with it. And I got to ask more questions and I didn't feel like, I didn't have to feel embarrassed by anything that I didn't know just like meeting with my mentor and that really like the conversations we had and like just reading it on my own really helped me like um, like establish like what I already knew and like that made me feel a lot better about like doing this and it was really a good time. Um, it, it's an honor to be 